you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Welcome everyone and thank you for joining me today during World Breastfeeding Month. August is the time of year when we celebrate breastfeeding around the world. Now, I just wanna say a few things about why I think it's important to celebrate breastfeeding and why I hope that no one feels offended or slighted when we talk about how wonderful breastfeeding is, right? So there's a lot of propaganda going around about not making people feel bad about their choices and all that. And I always come from a place of, it's always your choice how you feed your baby. But when you choose to breastfeed your baby, you deserve to be supported 150%. And we don't have that yet. We're doing that. Um, we're, we're improving. Things are so much better than when I started doing this work many years ago. But we have a long way to go. So I am totally proud to support celebrating breastfeeding. Because first of all, mamas in general don't get enough celebration. We don't get enough credit for what we do right? Give me a, a hand raise or a clap if you agree with that, some hearts or something, right? We work very hard. We dedicate our lives to our kids. And when we breastfeed, um, I don't know, the moms that I see are all struggling. So we're not doing something that's the easy way out. We're not doing something for ourselves, even though there are benefits for us. We are, and thank you for the hearts, um, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, I, I am live on Instagram, so you'll hear me talking to the Instagram audience and interrupting um, my little talk here about Oral Breastfeeding Week. So we get a lot from breastfeeding. And when I ask audiences what the best part of breastfeeding is, I get the most unusual or unexpected answers. And I once had someone give me the best answer in the world. And it kind of contradicted what we hear. She said she loved that she was the only person that could take care of her baby because that's how she wanted it to be. And it felt like a superpower to her. 
And so let's think about that, right? We're all we're all trying very hard and um, those of us who breastfeed, you know, I didn't get this all right, not at all. <laughs> I had lots of struggles and I have a few episodes that talk about my struggles with breastfeeding. I don't do this to be preachy or because I got it all right and because I'm holier than thou or whatever. I do this work because I want to be the support that I wish I had, right? So let's think about that. And let's think about during this World Breastfeeding Week, what we can do to celebrate ourselves if we're a breastfeeding mom. Celebrate the breastfeeding moms in your life. Um, do something sweet. I don't know. Buy, you know, If you see somebody breastfeeding their baby, um, give them a smile and tell them that. It makes you happy to see them feed their baby that way. Um, just realize and be supportive in any way that you can. Yes, Christina says, so true, moms are superheroes. I definitely feel that way. We juggle so much, we handle so much from birth, from pregnancy, from trying to get pregnant. And, you know, a little word about those of you who wanted to have a different um, breastfeeding relationship than you do have. I say this all the time, any breast milk is better than no breast milk. We always have to have the ideals to shoot for, but any breast milk you give your baby is better than not giving any breast milk. And there's nothing to feel, Not that I'm not gonna tell you how to feel. There's, there's reasons to be happy and proud of however you're feeding your baby, especially if you have any struggles with the tongue tie um, concern, with low milk supply, which often goes hand in hand with tongue tie. So <clears throat> as we sit here today, and if you're listening at a future time, it's August 8th, 8-8 of 2023, and it's World Breastfeeding Week, and we have people struggling. I had two patients in my office today that are struggling with tongue tie, um, and often they feel alone. Often if you are, um, breastfeeding your baby and it's a struggle and the people around you aren't or haven't breastfed, you may feel like you're isolated. So that's why I like to, to create communities around this. And a great community that we have is Breastfeeding Tongue-Tied Babies on Facebook, okay? And we have parents and professionals in that group. And we have um, well-moderated, right? So there's nothing crazy going on. Nobody's allowed to just post anything or make comments that aren't approved. And we have a lot of assistance and support for each other in that group. So if you want to join, it's Breastfeeding Tongue-Tied Babies. For professionals, I want to say a word about, um, I feel like there should be, I know we have IBCLC Day, right? But I think that during World Breastfeeding Week, we should also be celebrating those of you who are supporting breastfeeding mamas in any capacity. Um, it's, it's not always easy. Um, being an IBCLC, you know, of all the licenses and certifications I have, the IBCLC credential is not only the hardest to keep up, 
you know, keeping up with all the education I need and all the requirements. Um, but it's also the most challenging and emotionally draining and emotionally um, challenging. Let's put it that way. I love what I do. But when I spend a couple of hours with a new family and all that they all that they need and all of the questions and all of the stories, and I hear a lot of sad stories about unnecessary inductions and hard labor and C-sections after induction and difficult start in the hospital and no support. And I hear a lot, a lot, a lot of sad stories. And I feel that. Right. And I know that most of us who come to these caring professions feel that as well. So I, you know, I want to send some love to all of you who support all of the breastfeeding mamas that we are celebrating this week. When I began to work in this field, I quickly realized that school didn't teach me enough about tongue tie. I wanted the opportunity to learn firsthand from an experienced professional. I had so many questions. Can you relate? Good news. I've created the professional's guide to tongue tie in the breastfeeding infant just for you. You'll get four recorded video modules, downloads to share with your patients, admission to a thriving multidisciplinary community for networking, sharing, and continued learning, and four LSERPs. All the details are on the website at tonguetieexperts.net slash pro course. Use code podcast15 to save 15% off this and all of my courses. Can't wait to see you in the group. Now, as I said, when I first came on, I'm going to answer some questions that are being put up by the audience. So if you have any questions, please just post them and I'm gonna scroll back now and look on Instagram. And we have people here from Atlanta. We have lots of professionals, lots of parents, Coral Springs, Florida, Canada, Sweden. We have nurses here. Oh, okay, so we have a question. Someone who is 19 years old, but didn't do any of the surgery to tongue tie, but I feel very uncomfortable to speak. So that's a, you know, I'm sorry that that's the case. Um, if you're still here, just give me, um, you know, give me a heart or something so I know you're still here and I'm talking to you. Um, what, what I would do as a 19-year-old is look for someone who can give you some oral exercises speech therapist, an oral myofunctional therapist, which is usually a speech language pathologist or a registered dental hygienist who can assess your situation, give you exercises to do, see if releasing the tongue tie is a good idea. But that's the person to start with to get on your way. It's not too late. This Many adults have tongue tie problems and releases later in life. And... Um, if you recognize it and it's a problem for you, definitely get it taken care of. Definitely find a myofunctional therapist, depending on where you are. And if you have trouble finding who you need, reach out to me personally and I'll try and find somebody for you. 
or you can come over to the group and we can find somebody. So great to see so many people there. <clears throat> okay, let me see if there's any other questions here. Uh, Somebody's asking, why are there so many babies with ties? That's a great question and one I answer just about every day. Um, there's a few, you know, a few theories. <clears throat> one of the theories is that there have always been a lot of babies with ties and we weren't realizing it for a few generations because there were a few generations who did not breastfeed. So ties are usually more evident in breastfeeding or if the parent didn't get support to breastfeed they thought it was something wrong with them and it turned out it was because of a tongue tie but as evidenced by that person who's saying I'm 19 years old and I have a tongue tie and I have trouble speaking probably did not breastfeed right so there are tongue ties we weren't identifying them another theory is that it's an epigenetic change meaning Epigenetics means, in short form, this is a very brief description, that we have our genetics, we have our genes that give us all of our everything, all of our um, traits, all of our qualities, all how we look, how our bodies work, and they cannot change, but the way they are expressed can change. So it's possible that there are epigenetic changes that have happened since we didn't have so many generations breastfeeding or using our mouths for chewing and swallowing and things like that, which is a story for another day. But let's start with breastfeeding. We weren't breastfeeding, so there's been an epigenetic change. Again, a theory. I'm actually going to have a good conversation in a few weeks coming up on the podcast, so stay tuned for a future episode um, with a doctor who's actually researched this topic. So exciting. I can't wait to have him on. And I don't want to say his name because just in case it doesn't come through, but we're scheduled for this week. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm very excited about that interview. So the other reason that maybe we're seeing more tongue ties is um, it's very possible that tongue ties are being overdiagnosed. Now, I think they're being underdiagnosed and overdiagnosed. But there are some times when a baby has trouble breastfeeding and they automatically go to tongue tie release without looking at anything else. So maybe those babies did not actually have um, a tie that could not be a functional tongue and it gets released. Usually things don't get better if that's the case, but it's possible that that's the case, right? So it's being overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. And let me say, why else did I get all my reasons in there? Um, if anybody has any other theories, you can post it um, right here, and I'll talk about it as I'm on Instagram. If you're listening to the podcast recorded, um, you can send me an email. Okay, doctor, we have a doctor posting a question. Baby five days old, tongue tie and nursing with intermediate and bottles, never skin contact. I think it's a challenging situation to reconnect. So um, I would say that five a five-day-old baby, it's never too late to do lots of skin-to-skin. -skin. Um, if that's, I'm not sure if that's what you're asking. Let me just see if you added anything else. 
That's it. If you can give me more details about that, that would be great. Um, but it's never too late to do skin to skin. Um, and then you, at five days old, it's, if they can be together, it's never too late. It's never too late to get mom and baby together, but five days old definitely is not too late. Um, help her breastfeed. If you think the tie is impeding her feeding, of course, release it. Um, do some body work if that's needed and follow them up and make sure that mom is, is supporting her breast, uh, her breast milk supply with pumping, you know, um, and make sure that the milk is, the milk is there for when the baby is able to come to breast. We have people from Cape Town, South Africa. Thank you for being here. Um, okay. Somebody says, all three of my children were born with a tongue tie, but we didn't discover my oldest son's till he was six. I am breastfeeding my youngest for almost two years. Good for you. Celebrate you today um, in World Breastfeeding Week. Good for those babies. Okay, any more questions? Yeah, okay, getting back to that baby, that baby has a tongue tie. Is there anyone to release that tongue? Let's see. Oh, great question. Getting back, and I'm going in different directions because I'm answering questions as they come. What about the MTHFR gene? Does it have anything to do with the incidence of tongue tie? Now that's a great, great question. And for me, the jury is still out on that. I'm not saying that it doesn't have anything to do with it, but first of all, it's not the only thing. And I know that from personal experience because um, two of my daughters who have tongue tie or were born with tongue tie do not have the MTHFR mutation. And I don't have the MTHFR mutation that is associated with neural tube defects. So that's that's the side of things. You know, there's two different forms of the MTHFR mutation. And for those who don't know what this is, maybe I'll do a whole episode on MTHFR and explaining it. But it has to do with the way our bodies handle methylfolate in our mitochondria of our cells. So some of us need a, need methylfolate to be absorbed and our bodies can't handle exogenous or synthetic man-made folic acid. So we need extra folate and we need it in a certain form to be able to have our bodies process right for detoxification pathways. So there's a theory that says that um, babies born to moms with the MTHFR mutation have a higher chance of tongue tie because tongue tie might be a midline defect just like neural tube defects are, spina bifida, for example. So we have been giving folic acid for a lot of years to prevent neural tube defects like spina bifida, and now there's an increase in... Um, tongue tie, theoretically. So the theory is that perhaps the there is a relation there. There is a causation there. But there actually isn't enough research to show that. So I'd never say that. 
I always like to err on the side of caution and believe that everyone should supplement with methylfolate forms, which are more easily absorbed by everyone. So everyone, even if you don't have the MTHR mutation, you can do well with methylfolate and folic acid might not be good for you. So everybody should take the um, methylfolate form of folic acid, not folic acid plain, right? So that's what I recommend, especially for pregnant women or anyone um, at risk of pregnancy, as I like to say, anyone who is um, either, you know, in a relationship, having regular sexual intercourse, honestly, you're at risk for pregnancy, right? Um, or planning pregnancy or plan, you know, going through fertility. It should be methylfolate just in case and not just because of tongue tie for lots of other reasons, right? So that's, that's, my, that's my two cents. Thank you for asking that question. It's a great question. Let's see. And then, okay, somebody said, somebody asked, I love this question because I don't get it too often. What's your best advice for a breastfeeding mom returning to work? Now, one of the things you want to think about is when you need to return to work, right? And you want to realize that it's probably not going to take you as long to get ready to go to work as you think. And there's two things that need to be done to go back to work if you want to continue breastfeeding. One of them is to have some milk, right? So pumping and learning how to pump and learning all about storing milk and all of that. And the other thing is the baby needs to be able to take a bottle, right? And you have to learn how much milk the baby's going to need and all of that. So most people, I mean, there, yes, I acknowledge there are some people that have to go right back to work. And I used to work with, um, when I worked at the hospital, I was working with residents who are having babies and they had to go back to work like two weeks. It was, it was really crazy. Um, but most people get at least six weeks off or three months off or four months or longer if you're lucky, right? So it's getting better. It's not there yet. And that's one of the things that we all deserve. But for now, it is what it is. So say you have three months right, until you need to go back to work. What I would say is don't start out worrying about going back to work. Get your routine and your breastfeeding relationship established and enjoy direct breastfeeding, if that's what you're doing, for as long as you can without worrying about pumping and bottle feeding. That's that, you know, at least for the first two or three weeks, get things established. Then start thinking about how much milk you're really going to need when you go back. And you want to think about, um, you, your baby needs approximately 24 ounces in 24 hours. So about an ounce an hour, which means that if you work an eight hour day, say you're going to be away from the baby for 10 hours with traveling, um, you would need to leave, I'd say for a cushion, 10 to 12 ounces for that day. So if you can pump three ounces every time you pump, you only need to pump a few times to have that day's supply for that first day, 
So it doesn't mean you need to pump four times every day for a few weeks before you go back. You only need to pump once or twice a day, save that milk, look at milk storage guidelines. I'm not going into that right now and today. Um, and realize that when you go to work and you're separated from the baby, you're going to be pumping because you can't pump, you can't not pump if you're going to keep your breasts healthy, keep up your supply and keep everything going. So every time your baby gets a feeding at home, you're going to need to pump. So you're gonna be bringing home milk. Now you do want a couple of days cushion in case, you know, to deal with that adjustment to pumping at work and getting used to taking those breaks that you actually, you know, deserve to take and need to take to pump. So give yourself a cushion, but don't think you need a freezer full of milk to go back to work. Um, the other thing to think about is teaching the caregiver to use paste bottle feeding methods. And there's lots of videos on YouTube and other places about bo paste bottle feeding and not overfeeding the baby. Explain to them, this is how much the baby should be taking, this is how often they should be eating, and let them feed the baby slowly so that the baby isn't seeming to need more milk than you're leaving. For example, if a baby, you know, usually nurses for about 10 or 15 minutes, and the bottle takes five minutes, they still wanna have that suckling. And they still wanna have that experience of suckling on the bottle to make up for the time at the breast. And if, they, if they're being fed fast, they'll eat three times as much as they really need at that feeding, right? So the object of the game is to keep things going slow and steady and not overfeed the baby. And then what else do we have to think about? We have to think about where we're gonna pump, um, look at the, the laws in your state, in the country, things are getting better. Look at, you know, realizing that it should be a place other than a bathroom. You should have a clean private place to pump every time you feel like you need to pump and a place to store your milk. So you want to think about all that. So in a nutshell, that's what we want to do to get back, to go back to work. You want to think about also starting to give maybe a bottle um, a week or two before, once a day, testing the baby out, making sure the baby's able to take a bottle and take it from there. I hope that helps. And let's see if there's any other questions. So if you're just joining us, um, I'm, re I'm on Instagram today recording this podcast for, re recording this talk for my podcast the Tongue Tie Experts podcast, and I'm answering your questions. So we just had a great question about going back to work. Um, somebody asked me, what prenatal would you recommend? Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to my friend, Dr. Aviva Ram, my friend, my mentor. Um, she has on her website a great review of different prenatals. Um, definitely a prenatal that's got methylfolate, so uh, avivaram.com for that and look at her prenatal vitamin review. Um, okay, and somebody has a comment talking back about the MTHFR mutation that we were discussing before 
that male and female should both take methylfolate well before planting the baby. Absolutely. Thank you so much for pointing that out and reminding me of that. And who else do we have here? Hi, Daddy Sleep Consultant. We've done Facebook Lives before or Instagram Lives before, right? We had a nice conversation. So I think I am going to start to wrap this up again. Happy World Breastfeeding Week. Thank you so much for listening, whether you're following me on Instagram at Tongue Tie Experts or listening to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you, to answer your questions, to listen to your concerns, to learn from you. And I honor each and every one of you today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.